The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Father God, as we pause again to reflect on your work of creation, We are again reminded of your might and your majesty. As we understand and we reflect again on the incredible detail and complexity of this creation. And then as we marvel at the immensity of your creation. We often flippantly go with the words, nothing is too difficult for you. And we say it. And something in us knows it. But God, we need that to be our testimony in the way we live each day. That we do serve an awesome God, a God who is immense, who can speak the universe into being. And yet somehow you have this special place in your heart for us. Speak to us that we might know and understand, be touched and be changed, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So as we continue through our journey in Genesis, I will keep coming back to these principles that we learned as we journeyed through, or we, we visited as we journeyed through Luke and Acts. We are not told everything. As we read the scriptures, we are not told everything. We are left with lots of questions. But we are told everything that we need to know. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. And one day we may know them. But the things that revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may follow all the words of this law. God's told us everything we need to know. Two weeks ago we began this uh, journey with the all-encompassing declaration that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's such a well-known statement, but encapsulates so much. And in verse 2, we were told that the the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. One of the words that gets used is is, is brooding, like a a, a mother hen with her brood, just nurturing. One of the other words was flutters. And for me, it was that picture of the, the Holy Spirit coming down, as you see in the Jesus movie, you see, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove and resting on him. So he's got the Holy Spirit fluttering over the waters. And then from this point in time, we hear God say a few different things. On day one, he says, let there be light. And there was light. And he called the light day. 
and he called the darkness night. Things being spoken by God. On day two, God speaks again and he separates the waters above the earth from the waters that are covering the earth and he calls the space in between sky. It just sounds so simple, doesn't it? But yet so profound. On day three, God speaks again. And dry ground appears. And he calls the dry ground land and the waters he calls seas. Then he calls on the land to produce all manner of plants and trees. Then on day four, God speaks again and the sun and the moon appear. And they are appointed to mark times and sacred times and days and years, seasons. On day five, God again speaks. And birds fill the air and fish fill the seas. And then God speaks in a new way. Because up until this point, he's been speaking into the emptiness. And suddenly he speaks for the first time. He speaks to his creation. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. God's not just speaking out creation. He's now speaking to his creation. Then comes day six. And there's livestock and the, he speaks in the livestock and the wild animals come into existence. And then God says something very different. There's a, there's a shift in the nature of the conversation, of the communication. And so we start in Genesis 1.26 this morning. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over all the livestock, over all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. You see, God has spoken before this. He's, he's spoken into the darkness. He's spoken into the waters to separate them. He's spoken to the land. He's even spoken to the creation, telling them to go and multiply and, and, and fill the oceans and the air. But in this moment, we get this this invitation to, to hear what was going on in what I would call a divine planning session. This is God not talking to the emptiness. This is God talking within himself. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And God says, let us make man. You know, we've seen the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters as God created the heavens and the earth. Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. And as John says in John 1, uh, that, that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and uh, all things were made through him. So when, when God spoke like, when God was speaking in creation, he was speaking Jesus. So as we look through Genesis 1, we see the Trinity at work. But in this moment, we're invited to listen in, to, to be told what was happening in that conversation. Now, I don't think this is the first time in eternity they've spoken to each other, but this is the first thing that God says, I need you to know this. You know, we know, we are told what we need to know, and God says, I need you to know what we said in that moment. God didn't just sit there and go, let us make man. 
let there be men. He said, let us, let us make men. There was this conversation going on in community. This is different, it's personal, this is intimate. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in perfect community, an intimate conversation. He goes, hey, we've done all this other stuff, it looks good, but hey, this is the moment. This is what we're working towards. Let us now make man. From issuing commands to intimate communication. Now I don't have a problem with science as such. What I have a problem with is a so-called science that just wants to take God out of the equation. Just wants to do away with the creator. Not only are we left with... I'm, I should look up the video clip. There's a video clip and I can't think whether it's um, uh, Stephen Hawking or one of the others in, in that ilk. And they're being asked about the origins of the universe and they and right at the end, they get to the final question, so where did that all start? What started that? And there's like, oh, maybe it was aliens from another world. It's like, who created the aliens? It's like, you are without explanation for the origin of our world, of our universe. But God gives us explanation. But we not only lose a sense of first cause, we we also issue the ultimate insults to both God and to humanity. See, the popular science robs us of meaning, robs us of purpose, robs us of understanding. We lose any sense of our place in creation. Our standing is the fruit of divine intimacy. In rejecting God and rejecting his purpose for creation, we stand up and we tell our children, you are just an accident. You have a look at what our generation is doing. A friend of mine who's a pastor at, um, at uh, Calvin Community Church posted during the week, he said, is this a sign that we signed a piece of legislation banning smacking about 15 years ago? And we look at that generation, they're under the age of 18, and what are they doing? They're driving cars in through shop windows. And massive number. But we're telling our kids that they don't matter, that their life is meaningless. They are born into this world and then they die, and that's kind of all there is. Because the world is just a, something that happened. And you've just evolved from primordial pond scum. And if you take away our meaning, then is it hardly surprising that some find no meaning at all? The things we tell our children will shape our children's lives and they will shape the world in which we live. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image Male and female, he created them. It seems to me that the rest of creation is shaped by God's imagination. And when you look at the universe and its complexity and the diversity of creation, there's an incredible imagination. You look at just some of the animals and plants, and the beauty of the world. It's like, why did God make a duck-billed platypus? It's like, weird but creative, 
and those of you who are creative understand the, the joy of creativity. But I think when God comes to mankind, we're not created in his imagination, we're created in his image. Not male, and then later female. Male and female together. When God looks at mankind, he sees something of himself reflected back. When I look in a mirror, for better or worse, I see a reflection. In the flesh, I'm a three-dimensional being. I'm yay and yay and yay. Whatever size, I'm a three-dimensional being and I'm living and I'm breathing and I'm thinking and I'm feeling and I'm so much more than what I see in the mirror because what I see in the mirror is just a two-dimensional reflection. And so likewise, when God looks at me, I'm so much less than him. But he still sees a reflection of himself that he placed in humanity. When I make something, particularly if I'm skilled at making whatever it is I'm making, I, I take joy in seeing the things that my hands have created. My dad sitting down the back is so many things that he'll look back over his life as things that he's made with his hands. And he can take joy in those things. But of all the things that I've made in my life, there's a difference when I look at my children. They're not just made. They are image bearers. Sometimes that's scary. And sometimes that's cause for great joy. But there is a difference when you look on the things that you've made as to when you look at your image bearers. As parents, look at your children. They carry your image. Not just facial features. Not just height or width or whatever else. Neither the mirror metaphor nor the parent-child metaphor accurately describes the nature of the image of God and man, but I find them helpful. See, the theologians come up with, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Or the Imago Dei, or the Imagio Dei. I've heard two different pronunciations now on that one. What does it mean? Well, we're created with free will. And we're created, it says creatively, it should be with creativity. I spelt that wrong, I spotted the mistake this morning. We have morality. We have a sense of spirituality. We have an intelligence. We have an ability to reason. The self-actualization, the ability to become everything you were created to be. And the self-transcendence, the ability to become more than you are through your relationship with others and through the things that you create and the things you invest in others and through our relationship with the Father and so much more. It's a wonderful list. but I sense that in the list we've lost something of the warmth of God looking at us and going, as you said before, that's my son. That's my daughter. When I look at them, I see the image. I see my image in them. Not just free will and creativity and morality and spirituality, but they are of me. 
They reflect something of who I am. The image is not just functional, it's relational. A father and child relationship, this dynamic between him and us as image bearers. When you see yourself as an image bearer, it changes who you are. When you see others around you as image bearers, it changes the world. And having created man in his own image, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You see, as we work through these, particularly these first 11 chapters of Genesis, which as I said, so many people just write it off as myth as kind of a, an allegory, a story, but not as factual. But as we work through those 11 chapters particularly, we will see how this commission that we have been given, this commission to rule, this commission to fill the earth and subdue it, it was to be lived out, and yet it was violated. And we will look at the consequences of that violation, not just for humanity, but for the whole creation. We were created to rule. We were created to multiply. We were created to fill the earth. And we have rejected God's rule. We have rejected his command. We have rejected his purposes. In the weeks and months ahead, we will read and we will realise how we have chosen and continue to choose to be subject to be ruled by the creation and to live small and to stay comfortable we were created for this incredible adventure of ruling God's creation and we choose to live small and stay comfortable we'll begin to understand the damage that has been done through the choices that humanity has made and the opportunities that have been lost. But praise God, we will also look at God's plan to restore his image in you and me. However, for now, we've been told repeatedly that God looked at what he has made and saw that it was good, but now as he looks at the whole of creation with mankind, there at the forefront. He looks upon all he has made and it is very good. And so as Michael opened our service with this morning, I utter with David as well, O Lord, our Lord, 
How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and you have crowned them with glory and honour. He could have said, they are your image bearers. They reflect your glory. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Te Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.